Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ plus community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One, and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pride Connection, and this is not the voice you guys are used to hearing. Um, I am not Anthony Corona. I am not in Miami. Uh, This is Byron Lee, and I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, We're going to get this party started by talking about online dating. And Jessica Tomlinson is the person that pitched this idea to us. Um, We have a mailing list called the Blind Pride international discuss list and when you become a member of blind pride international you get access to this mailing list as well as a bunch of other perks like our whatsapp group so jessica came up with an idea of talking about online dating and mentioned it in our mailing list and was trying to gauge how many people would be interested in talking about this topic so amethyst and myself were like okay let's do it and uh, so we're going to be talking about the perils of online dating and also the positives of online dating Anthony is actually currently in New York. He had to fly out there for an emergency. And so I would like to ask for everyone to please send positive energy towards Anthony uh, and his family. We would really appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So Jessica, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what gave you this idea about having a conversation about online dating? Hello, uh, my name is Jessica Tomlinson and I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. My day job is a technology teacher. I work for Lighthouse of Pinellas and I teach mostly older adults who are coming to vision loss later in life, how to use computers and iPhones. I also have a cooking class and an independent living class and other services we provide. But since I have been teaching technology and trying to find the easiest path to allow my clients to accomplish certain tasks, I've started thinking a lot about the accessibility apps and also on my own downtime, I enjoy using social media, and yes, I have been dabbling in some online dating. I have noticed that most social media apps are pretty accessible. However, online dating, not really so much. It requires some creative and innovative thinking and backflips and handsprings to work around some different roadblocks, and I really, really wish... 
that app developers would sit up and take notice and make apps more accessible for online dating. Because if people are less mobile and want to connect online, that is a great way to connect. I love that message. You know, so many apps are inaccessible. TikTok, not a dating app. Uh, I suppose you could you could use TikTok as a dating app if you yeah. found a creator that you liked enough. But, you know, TikTok is a good example of an app that is inherently inaccessible. There are some workarounds. It's complicated. And you almost kind of need to find a circle of support to be able to use that app. So I'm sure there are issues with popular dating sites like OkCupid and Plenty of Fish and things like that. And Jessica, you're going to um, talk to us a little bit about some of those accessibility issues. We also have Amethyst on the line. Amethyst, why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little background on your um, history with online dating? So my name's Amethyst. I'm a mermaid. We love mermaids. Are there dating apps yes. specifically for mermaids? No. <laughs> I, um, I mean, you know, I could put that in my profile and attract um, other people or pirates or whatever. I've been in a um, long-term relationship for a few years now, but um, I have used dating apps. I used OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, and I think Match.com, and they were charging money for a while, and I paid for like a three-month trial and went on like one date anyway. So your history of online dating, what would you say your success ratio is in terms of landing that catch? So I did not meet my current partner on any dating apps. Out of all the people I have met on dating apps, there's one that I would still date if I hadn't met my current partner. Other than that, I didn't get a lot of success. You know, I got dates, but not like the connection I was looking for. Jessica, what about you? What, what would you say your success ratio is when you post a profile up there? Do you get uh, a lot of superficial people? Do you, do you seem to find um, any connections or any sparks? Well, I also am finding that it's a very low rate of return, probably because it feels like a game of chance. So I find that out of a hundred swipes, you may only get 10 matches. And these are not exact numbers. These are just sort of what it feels like to me. And then out of those 10 matches, you may only get two or three that sustain a back and forth conversation for any length of time. And then out of all that, you might only get one that ends up wanting to meet you in person. Now, whether that one is someone that, you know, you find a connection with is to be left up to chance. And even if you don't necessarily find an attraction to that person, that person can still be a friend, someone you meet, someone you know of. So just because you want to go on a date and meet someone doesn't necessarily mean you have to put a lot of pressure on yourself to tell yourself, oh my gosh, I did all this swiping and, you know, this is going to be the one and this is, you know, going to develop into something. You never know. It could, but most likely it probably won't. Have you guys found any really unique dating apps that maybe cater to specific groups of people? Like there was one called geek to geek and it was gk to gk Dot com And it was specifically for people who are looking for other nerdy people. My issue with that site is that nerdy to me is not nerdy to a lot of other people. Like it seems like nerdy 
for a lot of people is gaming and superheroes and comic books. And a lot of that is stuff that I can't participate in because of, you know, visual reasons. And so I found myself not really finding a lot of success. Have you guys found any like really interesting dating apps that cater to a specific genre? I think I might have heard of what you're talking about. I'm going to have to look this up because now I, I feel like I'm remembering something for pagans. I know that they have them for Christians. I would love it if they had them for pagans. That would be awesome. In the last five years, what dating websites have you guys used? And which, if you could give me your top number one dating app that's been the most successful or the most accessible, which one would it be? And I'll let Jessica go, go first on this one. I have tried two that I mainly use, and they they work very differently. One of them is called Bumble. That's pretty common. And that is the one where typical fully sighted users, when they like somebody, they swipe right. And when they kind of aren't feeling it, they swipe left. That's kind of the basic model of how Tinder and Grinder and lots of other apps work, where that's the whole joke of where like swipe right came from. So there's that style where they have mostly photos and then a little bit of writing about themselves. And then there's another app that I tried that I felt I liked, and it was called Lex. L-E-X. And it used to be called Personals when it was only an Instagram account. And then it became an app that was in development. And the premise of that app is people write like three or four sentences about like what it is they're looking for or what activities they like. Like one could say, let's go to a farmer's market. And then a couple of sentences about why they want to have a date and go to a farmer's market. Um, and it's sort of based on putting a personal ad in the newspaper. So that app is for women seeking women and non-binary and all forms of trans folks. So they found that when they were called personals, they had a lot of straight cis men trying to get on it. And that wasn't really who it was designed for. So they changed the name to Lex to kind of hide more and be found by the people who were told about it and were looking for it. Amethyst, tell me about your uh, top dating app and, and maybe give me a couple that have, that have worked relatively well for you. It's actually been more like set, um, almost seven years since I used the dating app. I think I have a top one. Like I met someone in Plenty of Fish one time and it was kind of weird. She was sending me like photos that, you know, girls complain about guys sending only it was a girl sending me these photos I was honestly confused so I just didn't respond because I wasn't sure what kind of message that was on plenty of fish I feel like I had more success with OkCupid back in the day I stopped using OkCupid after they started requiring people to use their first names I growing up on the internet when you don't put any of that information out there until you've really gotten to know someone. It just didn't sit well with me. But I did have a lot of success with OkCupid with, um, you know, meeting people that had more in common than just being bisexual or just being 
lesbian or whatever. Okay. And what about accessibility? Did you guys have any roadblocks with any of the, you know, really big dating apps? And um, how did you get around them? When a person uses voiceover on an iOS device, when they want to scroll or swipe from page one to page two of home screen icons, they typically flick three fingers to the left and three fingers to the right to move between home screen pages. So if you're on a dating app and you're swiping left or you're swiping right, it would make sense that you would be able to do the three finger swipe to the left or right because that's what sighted users do with one finger. But it has never worked like that. When I am using Bumble and I want to swipe right or left, I have to hit my home button three times and turn voiceover off and take one finger and swipe to the left or right. And sometimes there's even a bug on scrolling up or down on someone's profile. It doesn't like to accept three fingers for that action either. So it's a matter of turning off voiceover scrolling a little bit, either swiping or scrolling the way a sighted user would do. And then asking myself, I can sort of see how much writing is on the person's profile. So I ask myself, is this person worth turning on voiceover for? So in other (laughs) words, yeah, is this person, did they write enough to really listen to what they said? Or did they just write three words? And I can use Zoom to look at where their location is to just see that real quick and decide, are they really far away or are they close? But Lex works very well in terms of accessibility because it's text-based. The problem is that Lex doesn't always send you push notifications when somebody sends you a message. So they could have sent you that message weeks ago or months ago, and you would never know unless you went back in there and actually checked. I actually have a roommate that uses Lex and I know that Lex is primarily textual, but some users include their Instagram accounts as well so that you can go through and flick through some of their photos. The apps that use photos primarily When the experience is primarily visual, something like Tinder or Bumble, do you find that most users include enough text to get you interested? Is there enough text in most dating apps to draw enough interest? For me using Bumble, I would say that more users are starting to now because they have little questions that you can answer and like tick them on your profile. You can write a bio, you can put your interests and things, and then you can answer some little questions. And more and more people are starting to put funny or interesting answers to those questions. So there is some text. I have a little bit of a unfair advantage in that I do have some vision so I can get a little bit out of the photos, but it would be really nice if there were a way to add alt text to the photos. I'm sure like on the websites that you use, like OkCupid and Plenty of Fish, there's probably a lot more room for people to write. Is that true? Yes, that's very true. And, um, you know, you talked about questions uh, users could answer. That's one of the things I liked about OkCupid and probably why I got more matches on there was because of all the different unique questions you could answer that would match you up. And there was quite a few um, text boxes for writing different things like writing a bio, saying whether or not you wanted kids because that's crucial when you're dating someone, whether or not you like dogs or cats because that's also crucial because some of us have 
guide dogs or, you know, some people have cats. And- or guide cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be up in a tree if that were the case. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you. I was actually looking on Bumble the other day and I saw someone had in their profile that they had a horse. And she was like, horses have personalities too. So the quickest way to my heart is to get to know all my animals. When you guys take your photos for your profiles, well, first of all, do you take photos for your profiles? That's the first question. Absolutely. Secondly, do you guys ever pose with your animals or? pose in front of things that are important to you? Like for me, it would be a model of the TARDIS or something geeky, you know, something Star Trek related or something. I've never posed with my animals, you know, because I'm into cosplay. I've made sure to include photos of me in a fairy costume or goddess costume. I didn't have any mermaid costumes back then, you know, just different costumes and stuff so people could get an idea of who I am. What about you, Jessica? Would you pose in front of with your animal? or your pet, or your service animal? I currently don't have any pets of my own or service animals. However, um, I did have a cockatiel and a few chickens in another life when I was younger. So if I had any animals, I would probably pose with them. If you see a potential partner or date with a cat or a dog um, or some other animal, Is that something that's going to make you more likely to investigate further? Would you recommend that people put that as their first photo or would you rather see that kind of further down? I would say maybe the second or the third photo, or I guess for some people it would be their first photo. Like if they had a service animal, that would definitely probably be a good first photo. Yeah, because that's a big part of their life, you know. What about accessibility roadblocks and barriers? Have you had any success with getting a hold of developers or have you found workarounds that have been helpful to you as far as accessibility? I did uh, reach out to Lex when it was still, it was called Personals and it was just an Instagram account that was an app that was under development. And I said, I'm a voiceover user and here are some links to how it works and what developers can do uh, to make apps accessible. So could you please consider making this app as accessible as possible while you're still in the development phase? And I did get a nice reply from them that says, you know, thank you for sharing this with us and we'll consider it. When I first started using Bumble, About three years ago, I was taking a class at the time. I was getting my postgraduate technology instructor certificate. Uh, ACVREP calls it a CADIS. And we had a class where one of our homework assignments was to contact an app developer. Well, first of all, the assignment was to test an app and find out if it has some weaknesses in terms of accessibility and then contact the developer. So I tried contacting Bumble several times and I never heard anything back from them. Amethyst, did you ever have any success or failure as far as getting help with accessibility roadblocks? I don't think that really when I was using plenty of fish okay cupid um, this was before I had a smartphone or tablet I was using windows and jaws and I didn't really have any problems I mean sometimes people would try and chat with me while I was logged into the app but I just ignored them because I preferred not to use chat feature there were other more preferred methods of live chats for me. Would you disclose that you're blind or visually impaired in your profile? Or would you rather wait until you start chatting and messaging with the person? Or would you just wait until you actually met up? 
Originally, I was gonna, you know, chat with people and have them get to know me as a person. But um, it didn't always work out like that. Because like, it ended up being I would, you know, match up with somebody and we would want to meet in person like right away without all the chatting. And like, honestly, I was a student at the time and didn't really have time to sit and chat in front of a computer you know it was either or right I didn't disclose it in my profile at first and I would meet people and um there was this one guy I could tell it was kind of awkward for him and like he asked me if kissing me would be taking advantage of me and you know to quote somebody I dated after this I am capable of saying no. So there was that. And after that, I put it in my profile, but it was down a ways so that, you know, people could learn other things about me and then learn that I'm visually impaired. That in OkCupid, they have a most private thing you're willing to admit. And I'm like, it's not exactly private, but I'm visually impaired. So... I eventually decided that disclosing it would weed out some people that I would not want to deal with. Jessica, what about you? Would you disclose that you're visually impaired on your dating profile? I have kind of evolved a little bit on this issue over the years. I've thought about it extensively in terms of employment. This issue feels very similar to me with employment and also with dating. What my tactic was, which may or may not have been a bit misguided when I was job seeking, is to not disclose until I showed up to the interview and they actually saw me. Because I was determined to get a foot in that door and I was determined not to have them come up with some random loosey-goosey excuse for canceling the interview. I wanted them to at least have to talk to me a little bit and hear what I had to say. So that worked pretty well most of the time. I did read when I was preparing to substitute for another instructor in a job readiness class that some employers may feel quote unquote tricked if the person doesn't disclose until they show up in person. But then my answer at the time was, oh, so we have to trick you into letting us participate in mainstream society. But I sort of like what Amethyst said about how disclosing up front can weed out some people that we may not want to deal with. And that is a very good point. I kind of quote unquote met halfway in my most recent Bumble profile. I disclosed the fact that I don't drive and would have a really hard time getting outside of my home county by myself, but that I can get around just fine right here in Pinellas County. So that was an answer to one of those funny questions about a pro and a con of dating me is. So they would know that something's a little bit different here. But they'd have to kind of chat me up a little bit, and then I would kind of tell them what it is. I kind of like that tactic. So Chris just joined us, and I'm going to ask you the same question, Chris. If you were setting up a online dating profile, would you disclose that you're visually impaired? Uh, I started online dating when I was probably 19, 20, somewhere in there. Like early, early on, they had they had chat rooms and stuff for that sort of thing. And I, n- I never disclosed until I got to know the person. 
And there was only one instance where it didn't go badly as a result of that. And so I continued not to for many years. And then I finally, when I hit my late 30s, my give a crap a meter has just broken. And, <laughs> and in the gay community, I just feel like we have a bigger focus on, and, and right or wrong, uh, I feel like there is a, a bigger focus on physicality than in my opinion there should be, but it's the reality of the situation. So in my OKCupid profile, I started off my profile with the sentence, uh, first, I am portly and I am completely blind. And if you're not okay with either one of those things, you can go ahead and click on buy. And believe it or not, not only did it weed out people I wouldn't want to deal with, but I actually got more dates. I got more dates out of that. Wow, I really admire that. So I just, I had gotten stood up or gotten, uh, uh, you know, some kind of nonsense about not doing it. So I finally, I just was like, okay, I, I, I'm done giving a crap about what other people think of me. Because I don't believe that, you know, I, I don't want it to be on them to come up with something and make me, it just makes you feel bad when they come up to you after, you know, and they're like, oh, I had an experience even after disclosing on the site, there was a, there was a fellow who had, we had started talking and stuff and he was, I assumed that he had read my profile and uh, we agreed to meet up and we met up at a Starbucks. And when I got there with my guide dog, he stood up and goes, Oh, I didn't know you were blind. I said, it was right there in the profile. I said, it was the first sentence. He goes, Oh, I don't read those. Oh, wow. wow. And, oh and my I, gosh. And so, and so we proceeded to sit and talk for about 15 minutes. And then he goes, I just got a text from my friend. I'm supposed to help him set up for a party tonight. So I have to go. But it was really nice meeting you. And I was like, okay, you, all right. Okay. That's what we're doing. I would have said, so, oh, I make you that uncomfortable, do I? Maybe he'll learn um, to read in the future. Maybe he will. Maybe that taught him a lesson. I hope so. Maybe he needs to go back to kindergarten and learn his ABCs. He certainly needs to go back to uh, the school that teaches you how to get out of awkward social situations. Right. The old, oh, I got to go help my mom, you know, or whatever trick. I have to wash my my toes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I got to wash my hair. (laughs) But I'm bald. But, you know, I got to go wash my hair. (laughs) (laughs) But by and large, the experience of disclosing and having it right out there that I'm both, I mean, they can see that I'm portly in the picture. You know, I I just want to lay it out there because I'm frankly at this, I'm 42. And frankly, at this age, I have no interest in messing around with people who are playing games. That's just where I'm at. I would just like to lay something out there for those of you who are setting up online profiles and you're worried about how you look in your photos or disclosing a disability or anything else that you think might you turn other people away. I have so much more respect when I see a profile for someone where they, they just lay it out there. When I see that they know themselves, they're true to themselves, and they don't care what other people think, that is far more attractive to me than somebody with, you know, double D's or six pack abs. You know, I that kind of stuff is easy to fake and it's superficial. But you get someone who knows themselves and oh man, game on. I actually told someone once, I'd written a message to him on OkCupid because I found him interesting. And I said, I'd be really interested in grabbing a coffee with you. What do you say? And he wrote back to me and he goes, I say it's hard to afford me. Wow. <laughs> and I wrote back, oh, it's that situation. Well, 
you're probably right. But I should probably also tell you that beauty fades. And what would you rather have in your old age? Somebody with whom you can have a good conversation when everything else is gone or someone who you'll find banging the pool boy when you come home from work. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Talking about disclosing disability and how that relates to dating. And Jessica sort of touched on this a bit earlier before you got here, Chris. Disclosing that when you go in for a job interview, I think that they're very different because sometimes you do have to get that foot in the door before, you know, if you you tell someone that you're blind when you go in for that job interview, a lot of times they're just going to reject you right off the bat. Whereas that might be someone's... Like, oh my gosh, I'm blind too. Or, well, that doesn't bother me. And I I don't know, I suppose it can go that way with jobs too. But I think I'd be a lot more less likely to disclose right away uh, on a job application. Absolutely. Versus putting that up front on a dating profile. Yeah, it's not in my LinkedIn profile. And it's for the exact reason that Jessica said. Absolutely. Getting a job and getting a date are not the same. I know it. I know that there are similarities, but it's not the same. And um, we have some protections in the job world, theoretically, that we don't have in the dating world. We can't sue our potential suitors for, you know, going against the Americans with Disabilities Act or the Equal Opportunity Employment (laughs) stuff, you know, so it's a little different. Although sometimes it would be nice if we could charge them a broken heart fee. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Or I I can't believe I just spent $15 on Uber to get here to meet your sorry butt fee. How about that? I know! (laughs) (laughs) Online dating can be scary because you're meeting up with someone that you've never met before. Maybe you've spent some time chatting or maybe you do the, I don't have time for chatting. Let's just meet up and see how it goes. I'll ask Amethyst to go first. Have you dealt with issues as far as safety uh, when doing online dating or have you had fairly safe experiences? I would always meet in a public place. I make sure I can get there myself and leave there myself. There was one time I just completely canceled and ghosted somebody because I had told them multiple times, I don't go to somebody's house on the first date. And they kept pushing, well, we can meet at my house. I'm like, no, sorry, you're gone. I don't have time for you. I advise meeting in a public place and make sure you can get yourself in and out or you, you know, at least have a friend on hand that you can call, you know, just so that you don't have to depend on somebody that you've never met and know your alcohol limitations. Yes, I love that. Never get wasted on a first date. <laughs> there you go. I really like what you said about meeting in a public place. I think that's a pretty good um, common denominator that a lot of people will say. Another thing is In my experience, I found that the last few years, I've really been trying to branch out and become familiar with many more different places around my community. And I've been going to places with friends for a live music or a dinner out or whatever we're going to do so that I can get familiar with the environment in those places. Meanwhile, in the back of my mind to be scoping them out as like potential date locations. If I came in here to meet someone and make a good first impression, it it would make me feel more comfortable to at least know a little bit about the surroundings. 
And I also had a suggestion from one of my friends that was, oh, well, we'll go along with you, but we'll go sit at another table and pretend we don't really know you. And that way we'll just kind of watch what's going on and we'll find out if this person is really a creep or if they seem nice. Chris, how about you? Have you dealt with um, any scary situations uh, with online dating? Do you have any safety tips? This sounds a little silly. If you're not a martial artist and you haven't taken any self-defense courses, my suggestion would be to, if it is legal in your state, go on Amazon and order a stun gun. There are a few that are very cheap. One of them that I recommend is, is like $10, $12. And just keep it in your pocket. It may or may not be something that is needed, but it gives you a little more confidence and it has the added benefit of being a wonderful deterrent. When they hear those sparks flying and, you, and see the blue light, they'll back off. The other thing is, um, I didn't, I've never really had any close encounters, but I've always felt that meeting in a public place, regardless of, I don't even care if it's a grinder date, like if all you're doing is hooking up, meet in a public place, Get a, get a vibe off of the person and just sort of scope it out before you go back to wherever you're going, whether it's a hotel or something else. And I would also say if you are uncertain, don't get in their car. Don't allow them to control the transportation. It's not something you want to do. Take an Uber together somewhere if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there was one point at which uh, I was on a website called Manhunt and this, this boy messaged me and he goes so uh i'm at the hotel off of the i-60 blah blah and i'm like wait what and he goes yeah why don't you come over i'm like huh, no and he goes why not and i said because i don't want to be introduced to your hatchet collection <laughs> and and he was like oh you think i would i said well i don't know and we don't know each other and that's why so tell you what let's meet at denny's and that's what we did and he was a perfectly lovely human being, and we had uh, a perfectly lovely date. I'm not going anywhere with uh, with anybody or or meeting it there on their territory. You never know if that person may be the most evil, raging homophobe there ever was, and really would open the door with their hatchet collection. Right. So it's always good to meet in a public place, like you say, just to get a vibe off the person. In my history of online dating, I have had online profiles, but I've also been in special interest chat rooms, ham radio chat rooms, or internet radio stations. I did a fair amount of chatting with people on, I'm going to age myself right now, but on MSN and AOL Instant Messenger. And a lot of my online dating was more organic, not th through a, a matchmaking website or a dating website or anything like that. Most of the the dates that I've gotten that were online were mostly from chat rooms. And typically what I have done is gone to group meetups from that chat room. You know, I started my, my online social life very early as, you know, a 16 year old. And I met a lot of my first online friends in the Weird Al IRC channel. And we went to Weird Al concerts together and we went to comedy music conventions together and we had group meetups in local cities. And so that's how I met a lot of the people that I wound up dating online. Do you guys have any stories about dating in that sort of more organic and still yet uh, cyber dating sort of realm? I mean, that's how my I met my first husband. But um, 
obviously I'm not married to him anymore. So. How did you all meet? I mean, I am um, doing the chat mailing list and stuff when I was 17. I would look for stuff on 80s cartoons that I liked, such as Gem and She-Ra. And um, Sailor Moon was 90s, but it kind of, you know, reminded me of all those. And I joined a couple of Sailor Moon lists as well. And that's, that's where I met my first husband. Did you have any fear when you met up with that group or when you when you met him for the first time? Was there any sort of hesitation? I had talked to him on the phone for quite a bit before our first meeting. I had even talked to his mother. I wasn't too worried. I thought I should point it out that uh, Chris and I actually met in this fashion. In the early 2000s, there was an audio drama theater group that Chris was a part of. And they did audio dramas based on Star Trek and a bunch of other properties. And they even had some original stuff, too. And so I found this Star Trek audio drama and I sent an email to a mailing list that I belong to that was about audiobooks. And I said, oh, my God, have you guys ever heard of this Darker Projects thing where they do Star Trek audio dramas? And Chris goes, actually, I'm the sound engineer on that. And I'm one of the actors and I'm quite involved in all that. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. So we started talking on, was it AIM? MSN Messenger. Oh, MSN Messenger. Okay. Yeah. And so we started talking on there and then we started talking on the phone and then eventually we, we met. And, you know, that's kind of how we had uh, you know, had our beginnings. It was just an organic, purely electronic and over the phone relationship at first. You're just getting to know one another and deciding to go ahead and meet. And there was no fear for me because I had done it a bunch of other times before. And I tend to feel safer meeting strangers who are also blind or strangers that share very similar interests to me. But when it comes to um, just random people sighted or not, if I don't really have a common interest where I met them, you know, through some group of friends online or whatever, it's it feels a lot scarier. It feels a lot more dangerous. It feels potentially like maybe they're, you know, they could be scam artists or they could you know, be predatory and trying to get something out of me. But, you know, when it's sort of a more more organic situation like that, it feels a lot safer. And you all did a very lovely podcast all about how you met and how it's a beautiful love story. Everybody should go listen to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that episode is called Love is Patient, Love is Kind. um, And it is in the Pride Connection archives, if you're so interested. Jessica, what about you? Have you mostly had experience with uh, just online apps or have you had any organic uh, online dating experiences? Well, I haven't really had much dating experience, period. I have been in special online interest groups. There was a time in my life when I used to play the organ, um, the classical and the theater organ, and I used to haunt different online groups about that. Um, And I've always been a musician, so I would be in piano playing groups and things like that. But I never really developed a dating relationship that way. I did make some friends, but that was pretty much the extent of it because at the time when that was happening, I mainly wasn't even really looking. Gotcha. What about predatory practices on apps like Grindr, Tinder, things like that, where um, people who are looking at your profile and they have just one thing on their minds, do you guys have any 
ways of combating getting pictures you didn't ask for? Or do you guys just have any tips regarding inappropriate uh, unsolicited advances and things like that? Well, first of all, I think it helps if you can't really see it in a lot of detail because it doesn't have its intended effects. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, that's too small, sir. Yeah. I can't see it. (laughs) I did have that happen to me on Facebook one time when I joined a singles group. There was a thread that encouraged people to introduce themselves with their hobbies and, you know, put a nice photo of, you know, their face. And instead of getting any nice, normal people reaching out to me, I had a very weird private message experience. So I hadn't really shared any information about myself. It was very weird in broken English, almost as if the person may have been a hacker from another place. So I just kind of stopped responding. I think the key is to ask questions. So if somebody says, you know, just a couple words and a picture, of course, if something is making you uncomfortable, you are under no obligation whatsoever to respond. But if you aren't really sure, but you think that it might be someone who's friendly, a tactic that I use is to lead them on and try to draw them out with questions. When I say lead them on, I mean try to encourage them to write more and give me more information. So I might say, what are your some of your favorite hobbies? Or where are you from? Or... You're trying to direct the conversation into an interesting place instead of, you know, here's my photo. I saw your photo. You know, let's let's yeah. get it on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Trying to get them to talk about actual things about their life other than, you know, their end goal. Right. I had looked at Grindr it's sort of in the early stages of my coming out as pansexual. And I just wanted to see what all the fuss was about kind of just looking to see what was out there. And Chris put it very bluntly, uh, Grindr and apps like that in a lot of cases are just meat markets. And if that's what you're looking for, awesome. That's that's where you want to go. But if having people say things like, show me your D and your A, and that's all they're interested in, like you said, you don't need to respond to them. You can block them. You can ignore their messages and try to find somebody who is, you know, more your style. Have you had any issues like that, Chris, on things like manhunt? With manhunt, you know what you're getting into. I mean, you're not, it's not called, it's not called meet and, meet and have a great conversation. It's, it's like It grinder. is what it is, um, right? <laughs> I think that it's important when you sign up, if you decide to go online and start dating or start, you need to decide, first of all, what you're looking to get out of the process, whether that's a, a hookup or if it's a an actual date. Um, that's important. And, and I don't think, try not to attach any judgment to the way that you're feeling at the time. Society has a lot of things to say about this and that and the other. And you kind of need to turn off your give a crap meter, you know, if you're going to enter this world a little bit. So just make a decision about how you want to, what it is that you're looking to get out of the situation, whether that is a date or a hookup, or if it's an online friendship, you know, we, we haven't talked about that, but there are several, you know, you can say, Hey, I'm not looking to date. I'm just looking to make some new friends. Um, and on places like, okay, Cupid, that is perfectly acceptable on places like manhunt. It's probably not or grinder or, or a Tinder. 
I haven't had any experiences like that, but that's because when I got online and started looking uh, at my options, I kind of knew what I was getting into. I, I read the room, as it were. So I think that's important for people to do. If you're polyamorous and you're looking for something open-ended, say it. If you're kinky and you're looking for a leather daddy, say it. If you're looking for a serious, committed relationship, make that front and center on your profile. There's no judgment. If what you're looking for is a night of passion, then that's what you're looking for. And, you know, there's nothing at all wrong with wanting that. And the cool thing is about the internet, there are going to be people who are looking for what you're looking for. There's always going to be somebody out there that's like, yeah, that's kind of what I want too. You're not going to be alone. Sometimes it'll feel that way because you won't get any immediate responses, but that's okay. You're not a, a unicorn, as it were. You're not the, the only person out there who's thinking in those terms. So don't be discouraged, but lay it all out there and see who comes to you. Also, if you are browsing through profiles and you find somebody who's looking for something similar, the worst they can say is nothing. You know, you can throw out a bunch of of, uh, messages saying, hey, I'd like to meet up or, hey, I'd like to talk with you or can we have a chat or whatever. And if they don't respond, it's their loss. And if they say, no, I'm not really interested, but thanks for messaging, then at least it's a polite loss. But it's their loss. It's not your loss. And try not to take it hard if somebody reacts severely to your questions, because not everybody is on the same level. Some people are really weirded out by certain sexual activities or certain ways of looking at the world. And those people are just not what you're looking for. And you're not what they're looking for. And that's okay. Jessica or Amethyst, do you guys have any other thoughts on that topic? I just like what you say about putting it all out there. And I think that takes a degree of courage. And I think that courage is growing in me, but we all tend to feel a level of insecurity. And I'm encouraged when I hear you say that, you know, there might not be an immediate response. Because like I said, at the beginning, there tends to be a very low rate of return on much of this stuff. You know, what you were saying about not getting a response and stuff, you know, reminds me of, like I said before, I I was in college when I did a lot of my online dating. And sometimes like I'd be going back and forth with someone and intend to respond to them, but finals or midterms would come up or I had a lot of homework to paper to write and that message would go unresponded. And it certainly wasn't about them. I, it just wasn't meant to be at the time. And, you know, I really hope that they found somebody else and you you know are happy with their lives but it's not always about the person if you message someone and they don't respond it's definitely not always about you and sometimes maybe a little bit of tweaking of your profile will bring in more people see this is the thing that i discovered after i was done with online dating and kind of gave up on it and after just sort of hearing other people's experiences and just upon reflection i've learned some things first of all your profile might need some tweaking. You might need to go back and look at your five-year-old profile and say, you know, I've matured a lot since I wrote this and I haven't gotten a lot of responses. I think I need to give my profile a reworking. And there are tools on a lot of these sites that help you with that. You were saying, Jessica, earlier that Bumble has prompts that you can answer these questions that you can answer that will give your profile some more depth. And so working on that profile is definitely one way of getting results. 
The other way that I've discovered is putting up a profile with a bunch of intriguing photos and a well-worded introduction about yourself and some hilarious answers to the questions that they ask. All of that's great, but a lot of times you need to actually be the one to make the first move. I, I put a profile up on that geek to geek website years ago and got no responses. And part of it was because I wasn't going out there and saying, hey, I think you're a really interesting person. Would you like to meet? Sometimes the legwork lands on you. There's just a lot of people that put up profiles and they walk away from it and they go, I wonder why you haven't gotten anything. And a lot of that's because you're not engaging in the in the system. You're not online often enough. You're buried under all the other featured people and you're not chatting people. So the algorithm puts you further down on the list. So you've got Indeed. to engage. And I would also add to that, if you are going to make the first move, I would say read the person's profile because I assume that by and large, not all people people, of course, but many blind folks are going to be basing their decision on whether or not they're going to interact with that person on the text of their profile rather than their pictures as much. And what I would say is find something that intrigues you or caught your attention in that profile and message them about that and use that as a bounce off for a conversation. And maybe that way you can get them, you know, you might generate more responses that way. That is a thing that I try to do typically. So that is a very good strategy. Do you guys have any other strategies that would help the uh, game along, as, as it were? Things that you've done to your profile that you've noticed, oh, I'm, I'm getting an uptick in responses. I'm not really sure. I don't think I've really been at it long enough. I know I got more responses like once I started answering those questions on OkCupid once I sat down to answer them and when I added more pictures so one thing that I thought would get me more responses was to have a clever title to my profile I tried all sorts of things like would you be the Waldorf to my Statler so if you're into the Muppets you would get that or boldly go where no one has gone before. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, just come up with a cute, uh, catchy, catchy uh, tagline. And that might uh, net you some responses. Maybe the uh, boldly go where no one has gone before is the reason why I got no responses. <laughs> How would you like to be a part of my world? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Photos are not always the, the end all and be all. Have you guys tried any of the newer dating apps like Facebook dating? No. Yes. There's already enough of me on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg does not need a dating profile from me. It is weird. I put that profile up when it first came out because I'm always interested in testing out new algorithms, new things and seeing what comes of it. First of all, it's not as accessible as as the rest of Facebook. But I'm going to try to temper that by saying Facebook sometimes breaks accessibility all by itself. But the dating portion is not the best. I think, sadly, even OkCupid's app, which has its problems, is more accessible than the Facebook dating app. Or not app, but the section in their app, excuse me. I feel like a lot of the Facebook dating algorithm is based on picture more than text or profile text or uh, things like that. There's definitely some questions that they ask you about your interests and your stats and things like that, but it's not terribly helpful in terms of getting people to learn more about you that's interesting. I would avoid it uh, if you're blind because there's not much that's there for us to offer other than pictures. And if, you, if you're a picture person, then go for it. But it's really much more visually focused than uh, Match.com or OkCupid or those things. I asked earlier, 
which apps did you find to be the most accessible for blind people? I'm curious about your response, Chris. I can't say that I went and ran the gamut of apps. I went to the ones that shared my values in terms of what it takes to get a date. The one that shared the most with me is OkCupid. I am trying to remember if I tried other ones. I don't know how accessible Grindr is anymore. Um, I haven't gone on there to take a look. But the problem I have with OkCupid, unless they have updated it since I stopped using it, is that you could not properly answer questions on the app. If they have fixed that, fantastic. Otherwise, you'll have to go to the website. I, I, I use the browser to answer questions. So. You can update your profile and you can browse people's profiles and all of that other stuff. You can message people, but you can't answer questions, or at least that's how it was left when I played with it last. And that would have been last August or something. That's the one thing that annoys me about Bumble is that I wish that they also had a website that you could log on to and log into from a browser. Because even in the photos, I would be able to see them a whole lot better on my large computer screen. I thought I was slick because I put the app on my iPad thinking that would be a little bit bigger screen. Oh, and it did that still thing, the resolution huh? size of a phone and it's black around the rest of it. I'm like, what good is this? I hate when apps do that. Yes. I got an iPad for a reason. You know, I do wonder how many of the dating apps actually consider accessibility when they're designing their apps. I wonder if their mentality is that people with disabilities, particularly visual disabilities, do not date or would not date. That is unfortunately a pervasive problem in our broader culture. I agree. I have been um, becoming more interested in the cross-disability activist movement. And there is definitely a lot of talk about how many people just, oh my gosh, I would never dream of someone like that going on a dating app. Oh, it's inconceivable. Here, close your eyes and picture the school marm librarian. Well, and it's worse than that, I'm afraid. I have a friend who was working on a study about blind people and sexuality. And he tried to get the cooperation of institutions out there, such as the Braille Institute in California. I think he may have contacted ACB and NFB, but I don't really, I'm not certain about that. He was a college professor of sociology, and they would not take him seriously and help him to conduct the study because they just couldn't handle the idea of it, I guess. And I think I'm going to say that this is largely a sighted people problem. Yes. I know that there are some blind folks out there who have unfortunately been shielded from life and who have been sheltered in the idea that they're virginal and could never possibly ever. But by and large, I think this is a sighted people problem. I agree. Let's shift gears and talk about premium dating apps and features of free apps that are premium. Have any of you guys ever paid for any of the premium aspects of dating apps? And um, yes. if you haven't, would you? I paid for um, for a Match.com subscription back in the day. I feel like it, it wasn't working out for me then for a multitude of reasons. In the three months that I had paid for a subscription, I only went on one date. This was uh, shortly after my divorce. And I 
had a straight profile and I wanted to change it and I couldn't and I couldn't even start over. So maybe it was the website in question. So I had a friend who met his wife on eHarmony. I've never used a premium dating app before. I, I always thought it might net some additional responses because you're higher up in the list or you're on the featured page. Perhaps they have features where they would use an algorithm to try and match you better with other people, but I've had no experience. I do know that um, a friend of mine met his wife on eHarmony though. Jessica or Chris, do you have any thoughts on premium dating apps? Uh, this is an LGBT centric podcast. And I would like to say that for those who don't know, eHarmony had to be sued because they were not LGBT inclusive. And they ended up creating a secondary website called compatiblepartners.net. Wow, how boring. With a dot with a dot net. Yes. <laughs> that that just fills so, me with all kinds of confidence. Yes. Well the the owner was a fundamentalist Christian and he felt that he shouldn't have to and that it goes against his personally held religious beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. So he didn't want to include us in being able to find a partner. So he was sort of forced by the courts or by the settlement or however it turned out into creating this secondary website for us. And it's important to think about when you are LGBT, think about the website or the app that you are trying and make sure that it has a fully robust section for you. As far as premium services go, um, I was a happy customer of OkCupid's A-List, and I found that those benefits were fantastic because I got to see who liked me on my profile, the person who actually liked me on the profile, instead of seeing a cryptic message from OkCupid saying, somebody likes you, and then hoping to find that person in the browsing and find a match. That was nice. I also enjoyed being able to see people's messages when they messaged me on the free version you can message anyone you like but it, you they they don't get to respond unless they are a list so there are certain restrictions that dissolve when you pay that premium and for me I found it worth it I got many fine dates that way that's very cool since we talked about eHarmony and some of the problematic stuff behind eHarmony, are there other websites that people on the LBGTQ spectrum should avoid? If you are basing your dates on finding someone with religious compatibility, make sure whatever religion that happens to be, if, they are, if there is a website dedicated to that, that they have LGBT options for you. Do not just jump in and create an account and then come to the conclusion, oh, oh, it's only for straight people. Because that's quite a blow, both to your faith of inclusion within your religious beliefs. And also, it's just another strike out there saying, you know, we're not worthy, we're not worth being included. So I would avoid that if I were you. Oh, I, I just had to say I agree with that. Well, guys, we've covered a lot of territory. Are there any final thoughts that any of you have on online dating? I would say it's a process. It's an adventure. Have fun with it. And don't put pressure on yourself. Amethyst? I would agree with that. There's definitely no pressure in finding that special someone. So you do your profile however you feel the most comfortable doing it. And don't feel like you're tricking anybody. Start out with a clear 
idea of what you want to get out of your online dating experience and then just go for it. There's no wrong answer here. Do what you're comfortable with. Do what you feel is right for your situation and enjoy the ride. Well, with that, I'm going to thank everyone who was listening tonight. If you're interested in learning more about Blind Pride International or becoming a member, our email address is membership at blindlgbtpride.org. Again, that is membership at blindlgbtpride.org. And check us out on Facebook. Until next week, good night, everybody. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org.